Welcome back to Podcast Recovery. We are your hosts, David O. and Eric V. Podcast Recovery is a forerunner in digitally accessible addiction recovery support. We provide ease and convenience to any and all seeking a message of recovery and hope. By broadcasting the stories of recovering addicts, we act as a complement to all other recovery services. We exist to create a global foundation platform so that any addict may hear a message of strength and hope. We contribute education and awareness by highlighting the diversity in the lives of recovering addicts to show that one addict helping another truly works. Today, we're joined by our distinguished guest, Allison. How are you doing today? Very well, thanks. How are you? I'm doing well. Where are you from? I am from Baltimore, Maryland. Oh, nice. Uh, when were you first introduced to recovery? Um, oh, God years ago um, to the idea of it, but I wasn't open to the idea of recovery until about eight years ago. Nice. And how long have you been clean? Um, Seven years. I'll have eight years, God willing, in January. Fantastic. Uh, That's awesome. And uh, unless Eric has any other questions? No. Shaking his head, no. And without further ado, I'll turn the meeting over to you and go. Go for it. Okay. Um... All right, so I guess uh, where I'll start is where most people start, you know, is like the why or the how, Um, because I feel like for a lot of people, the, you know, how did you use drugs? How did you get into that lifestyle is a question that is so um, not really talked about in the mainstream. Um, So, like, I grew up in a a loving household. You know, my parents are still married. I went to private schools. I had a really good education, had a lot of, um, played a lot of sports sports, did a lot of extracurricular activities. I was in a lot of choruses. I did gymnastics. Um, you know, but like, I just, I don't know. I never felt like it was enough. I never, I never personally felt enough inside of me. Um, so when I was about getting ready to go into high school, so I guess I was about 13, um, we moved, uh, you know, into like, it doesn't sound like such a big ordeal, but when you're that young and stuff starts to get out of your control and you don't have a say in anything, mm-hmm. I internalized it and I was really angry and I started acting out and, um, you know, it was innocent at first. I started like drinking Boone's Farm, um, <laughs> like, you know, cheap vodka that we could take from someone's parents. Boxed um, wine. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was more of like Pavov or like little Abner's. <laughs> like, just, oh, it was, yeah. Um, but, you know, it started off, it was fun and, um, it it made me get outside of myself and it made me not have to think about all of the things that I was going through in life that I couldn't control. Mm-hmm. Um, like fast forward a couple years being in that scene, you know, you meet different types of people and I'd met someone who was like selling weed and it quickly escalated into them selling Coke and pills. I was about 16 at the time and you know, it was like at first we weren't using them, but like be watching all these people use them and like seeing how excited they were and all of like just how much they wanted it and how much I guess I didn't realize that they needed it at the time. Um, it look, looked fun. So one day we both decided that we were going to um, we had tried like Coke and stuff and we decided we were going to try like these prescription pills that he was selling. Um, and like within probably a month, you know, we were addicted to them. 
And that led to heroin. You know, if after a while, the pills got to be too much. They were hard to get because you had to know the right people. Um, and I mean, we live in the city of Baltimore, so heroin was like readily available. You know, I, the first time I was um, sick or ill from using, um, and I, because I didn't have any, I didn't even realize that I was dope sick, um, quote unquote. You know, I just thought I had the flu. So my my friend, you know, this guy I knew from high school, he calls me and he's like, hey, what are you doing? And I told him I wasn't doing anything because I didn't feel well. And uh, he started laughing and he said, I know what can make you feel better. And, um, you know, that that thought kind of led me to the next, like, I don't even know, 10 years of my life, you know, trying to get what I thought was going to make me feel better. Mm-hmm. And um, all it really did was just, like, rob me of every single dream that I ever had and uh, made me do a lot of things that I would have never done had I not started using. Um, it made me, like, lie to my family, steal from my family, mm-hmm. lie to my jobs, steal from my jobs. I was irresponsible. I was unproductive. I was um, basically like a mental to society. You know, I was, I didn't know how to have friendships or interact with people on a basis other than using, uh-huh. um, or like interacting at work. You know, I just lived this like hollow existence of a, of a human being. I was really sad and lonely and it just got worse. You know, I, um, I decided that I was going to try to get clean my way. And um, my best thinking thought, you know, I'm going to get on a methadone program because that seemed like a really soft, easy way to um, fix my problem. So I thought, uh, and that just led to more drugs, you know, Mm -hmm. and um, more pain and more misery and more lies and more deception, more self-hatred, more anger, right? More fear of just the unknown and just, and I sunk deeper into the lifestyle, I guess, of like using. And um, did the methadone ever like actually curb your craving for heroin? I mean, for heroin, yes, but for using drugs mm-hmm. and like that, like wanting something to get outside of myself, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. So what I did is that I substituted for yeah. other drugs. You know, it, it didn't. I would say maybe for like two weeks at most, Mm -hmm. maybe I was like, Oh yeah, this is cool. Like I can do this. I'm fine. You know, but because I wasn't like working on myself or I wasn't like looking at my behaviors, you know, I, I went right back to what I knew and I didn't change any of my friends. Yeah. So it just became another one added into the mix. Exactly. It was just another, um, another thing I had to do every day to, to be well or to feel good or to function. Um, you know, it was just like another ball and chain that I put myself in. Um, so yeah, so I started using other drugs because I didn't really have like a network of people who were supporting me and telling me like, Hey, you know, you don't have to live like that or, you know, showing me other ways to live or other options or like the love and support. Like I always had love and support from my family, but you know, I always felt like they didn't understand where I was coming from. Mm -hmm. They didn't know what it felt like to be an addict and to, to be caught up and to be ill or to, you know, not to feel how I felt basically. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so I just started using other drugs and that, you know, led me down like a really dark, dark path. I ended Mm -hmm. up like working down the block. I cut every single person that was healthy in my life out. You know, I ran from every solid relationship that was based in love and Mm -hmm. compassion. And I just 
hated myself. And the bigger my hatred got for myself, the horrible um, the drugs became, like the worse they were. Yeah. Like I just went to any length to get what I could get. And, uh, you know, it didn't matter what I had to do or who I like who I had to get over on. You know, I was just I was just going to use no matter what. Um, so what happened was like I found myself living um you know, I lived in someone's house. They uh, took care of me. They paid for all the bills, paid for my food, my car. Um, they did my laundry even, you know, like I would tell them like, this Damn. is what I want to eat this week. Yeah. And they would go out and buy it. And uh, they made sure that I like had clean clothes to wear and that I had a place to go to. But, you know, obviously there was like a, like I was like portraying as if I cared about this person and that like there was like a future with us potentially, but like in my like heart and in my spirit, like I knew that I was only there for mm-hmm. the convenience factor. Um, and because I needed someone to take care of me at that time, because honestly, like I would have been homeless. I did not have any idea how to live, mm-hmm. um, you know, my whole life. I went from basically like a high school student who barely passed, you know, I'm pretty sure they just passed me in high school cause they just wanted to get rid of me. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure I didn't have enough science credits to graduate, but yeah. somehow I graduated with my class. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, so I went from this like high school student who knew nothing about nothing to a 26 year old person who had no life experience. So I needed someone to take care of me. Um, you know, and I was working, um, down at the block at this like shitty strip club, you know, that was basically just like a brothel. I don't even know if any, you know, it's all that was really going on. Um, there was a lot of drugs and a lot of sex and a lot of corruption and just a lot of really fucked up shit. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, all the fucked up shit that you see, like, and the wire and all that stuff, you know, like, yeah, that, yeah. that is like Baltimore to a T. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And like, I had like my drug dealer living with me cause you know, I just needed to have, uh, needed to have what I needed all of the time. Mm-hmm. Like I had to have it there. I had to have it available. I could not wait. Cause you know, it was just be, I, I just couldn't. So I kind of created this like life or this like haven that I lived in where it was like, I didn't have to go far to get what I needed. Maybe I had to go to work for a couple hours, but you lived with me. So you could like come to my work and, uh, you know, I just used, I just used, I used, I used, and I used. And, uh, you know, it's funny. I was talking about this earlier today, actually with someone like towards the ends of my using, like, I always felt like if I had enough money, right? Like if I just had enough money, things would be okay. But like, if I just had enough, um, drugs, you know, things would be okay. So like Kara was 26 years old and like, I had enough money cause, uh, the person that I was living with, had come into some money, um, and was more than happy to give me whatever I needed. I had enough drugs because, you know, I had someone living with me that had an endless supply Mm -hmm. of what I wanted. You know, I still wasn't enough, Mm -hmm. you know, and I felt even more hollow and empty than I did in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And, um, a miracle happened and I got arrested I, at the time, was really It sounds upset. so funny to say that. I know, right? Like, you would think that that would be, like, a miracle. But yeah. to me, that moment saved my life. And some other small things had started happening. Um, just some little minor coincidences that, like, looking back, they all played a major part in, like, where I am today. But mm-hmm. that drug dealer that I had living with me, he actually got arrested. And, like, he should have gotten, re- like, he should have gotten out on his own recognizance. They had no means, like, he mm-hmm. did, he should have gotten a bail, right? But they didn't, they wouldn't bail him. They put him no bail. Um, 
so like he was kind of taken out of the picture and then um just like the house that I was living in and like the man that I was living with it just became like more and more apparent that like I could not continue to do like I just couldn't continue to live that lie Mm -hmm. um so when I did get arrested um you know, it kind of made me sit still for a second and I couldn't use. And that was the first time in probably like two years, two or three years that I could not, um, use without like, I, my, like they had me shackled and, um, they put the like cuffs around my ankles, put the cuffs around my hand. And I had the big heavy chain that was like connecting them. And, um, meanwhile, I'm like a girl from the County. So I'm like, hysterically crying and I was scared and I I was very concerned because I was on methadone and I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to be ill in this jail cell and it's cold as shit in here. And I can't do this. It's like February or March and I'm wearing like a wife beater, like a bra that's like hot pink, you know, like ripped up jeans. The cop, this is the cop when there, it was a male cop that arrested me, but he had to call a female cop to search me because I guess they can't touch your, your lady parts or whatever. So, uh, the, the um the female officer and the cop was like so he was really cool with me he was not disrespectful and he kept saying as long as you don't have anything else on you I'm gonna let you go and I thought well fuck sweet like story of my life because you know I'd had interactions with the cops mm-hmm. I've gotten pulled over before but I never right. really had any like consequences mm-hmm. for my using so I thought shit okay I don't have anything else on me I know that so this cop's not gonna find anything um so he's gonna let me go so the cop the female cops arrive she's like a little you know intimidating looking and she pats me down like we're in a gas station like we're in the parking lot of a gas station this is all going down at like four o'clock in the morning um I'm like in front of a pump you know and uh this like the cop comes and she puts her hands you know she's patting me down and then she goes to put her hand in my pocket right she puts her hand in my pocket and my whole pocket of my jean just rips completely <laughs> off and I'm wearing thongs so like I'm like it's like March it's freezing cold outside I'm so embarrassed because like my ass cheek is just like out for the world and um you know thank god that that cop didn't let me go after she didn't find anything he said uh something like you know what sweetie i told you i'd let you go but um i have to i have to process you or something along Mm -hmm. those lines and um you know there was like a piece of my soul that was just like thank you like this thank god you're just like grateful um because i needed someone to save you from yourself exactly to Mm -hmm. to not let me go back to what i was doing at least for like a an hour or two Mm -hmm. um just to get a little moment of clarity and that's exactly what I got sitting in um, a nice Howard County jail cell. I just, you know, I had a, a moment of clarity and I'd love to say, yeah, and I left that place and I never used again and I have had a successful life since, but that is not what happened. You know, I'm an addict and um, I had to go out and get some more pain and I didn't have any tools at that time, but I did have a little bit of fear. So I decided to, um, you know, try and get help. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of what put me on the path to where I am today. I was no stranger to like rehabs or detoxes or methadone clinics. You know, I'd I'd been to quite a few of them at this point. Um, But like 
I was scared, you know, and I live in, I lived in fear of having to kick the methadone that I was on because at this point I was on an extremely high dose. So I was taking like 160 milligrams a day, which like I, at this point I'm like, you know, I weighed like a hundred pounds soaking wet. You know, I'm a very petite person to begin with. So I can only imagine like how my body was processing all of that medication. But, um, I like was so scared of having to go through withdrawals, um, in jail because of course, you know, the cop, he was very nice, but like some of the charges that he came back with were completely absurd. So they watched me serve someone, um, crack basically and there's I didn't realize that there's crack laws you know I did not realize that there are specific laws based for that kind of substance so um yeah they were like saying some crazy shit so of course I called a lawyer and he was like well you know it would probably be in your best interest to go to rehab so I kind of like went to rehab again like on the like oh shit let's just kind of save my ass real quick and not really yeah exactly and like not really trying to um change or like do anything but I just like didn't want to have to kick all that meth in like a jail cell you know because I'd heard people like you're when you're on the street you know we talk and like you hear people's war stories it's almost mm-hmm. like we wear them like a badge of honor oh yeah you know? it's your street cred yeah so like I had heard people like talk about like having to kick in like a cement jail cell and I was like no 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 like I'm a girl from the county like I'm not trying I'm not down, I'm not about that so um I uh I decided to check into another facility just like to kind of save my ass and um you know like something happened there that kind of saved I mean it saved my life um I wish I could say like the exact moment or something was said or something was like felt or I don't know but just the whole whole experience just kind of open my eyes to uh, the possibility of recovery, you know, because up until that point, like recovery was not an option. I didn't even, I mean, I knew of, and I knew of programs, I knew of solutions. I knew of people who had used and maybe didn't use anymore. Or like they seemed to have their lives like the, it seemed okay. Um, mm-hmm. I knew that, you know, it was maybe an option, but I didn't feel like in my heart it was for me. Mm-hmm. I felt like I had completely destroyed my life to a, a point where, you know, I just, there was no coming back from it. Mm-hmm. Like, I just like, this was like, I was set out on this mission and I was like going to take it to the end. And so by the time I ended up in that like facility, I, um, I don't know. Like I just, there wasn't a lot of hope. There wasn't a lot of hope left in my heart. And, um, but like, I guess you could say I was desperate to try something different. Um, so I, uh, I listened, you know, I shut my mouth and I listened and I started to get a little bit of hope, a little bit of faith. Um, believe in myself a little bit more you know one of the things that really stood out is that like somebody in that um facility that I went to they saw something in me that like I guess I hadn't seen in myself in years and they saw like that human side of me that I had like completely disconnected with while I was using you know because like who I really am and who I am when I use are two totally different people you know I like no emotion no regard for anybody else I give no fucks about you or like who you like anything like I just don't care like do you have what I want how much is it what do I got to do to get it those are the only things that mattered um how much So I, um, 
this person, like they saw something in me and they used to make me like stand in the mirror and like look at myself, which is something that like I had not done. You know, I used to like look in the mirror when I was using, but it was always like my false ego or like I had that mask on of like who I thought I was. Like I thought I was like this cool stripper chick who like, you know, like I don't even know what, like I don't even know what I thought, but I thought I was just like better than everybody else. Right. Like I thought even though my life was complete shit Mm -hmm. and that, um, I had nothing to show for anything. I still felt like I was better than everybody else. Um, probably because I used to surround myself around people that were worse off than I was. But, um, you know, so he used to... That's always a good way to do it. Right, yeah. So I I need you to compare. I need you to be around so I can compare myself to you. It's like a Superman complex by default. It is, right? Yeah. (laughs) But And I was, like, really good for that. And I I was... uh, I'm not going to get into that. That's a different topic. But, um, you know, he used to make me look at myself in the mirror and he used to make me say, like, I am worth it. Mm -hmm. You know, I can do this. Um, I deserve this. Mm -hmm. And, like, I'm well enough just thinking about that because those were thoughts that I had probably never had maybe as like a child, you know, like maybe, um, walking through some fears as a kid, but I mean, I used for hard for like 10 years. So those like thoughts were completely foreign to me. Um, and I hated him at first and I'm like, this motherfucker, who does he think he is? You know, what a fucking dick. Like I hated him. But towards the end of it, I, I kind of saw what he was doing. Um, and it, really helped me connect with who I am, who I was yeah. before the drugs, you know, cause it's really, um, it really is two different people, you know, and I, I completely forgot who I was before the drugs. Um, because even before, excuse me, before like the smoking weed and before like the drinking in the Boone's farm, you know, I, I was a kid, I was a child, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I wanted to be grown so bad that I lied to myself and told myself that I was. So I never really, I never really got to figure out who I was mm-hmm. without drugs. Um, you know, and, uh, recovery has kind of given me the ability to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess I'll like fast forward now to recovery. So, um, I decided to make some life changes when I left that facility. And, um, at first I was unwilling and I didn't make any, I didn't want to make any changes and I used, and I ended up right back where I was. And, um, it didn't take me long. Thank God to like have a light bulb go off and be like, okay, I don't think this is going to work. Mm-hmm. You know, I, so I need to change something. Um, cause if not, I knew I was going to die. I just mm-hmm. knew it. It was like the only thing left. I mean, I had like OD'd plenty of times before I had friends leave me and like the Russell street bathroom gas station. Oh yeah. Like it was, it was bad. Like my, you know, my using was like not fun, but like I would pretend like it was this glamorous thing. And, uh, yeah. So I just, I knew in my heart that, um, I was going to die if I didn't stop. And, uh, I just, that place gave me hope. And I had that little, I was holding on to that little bit of hope that maybe my life isn't so fucked up that I can like still make something out of it. And, um, I decided to start making changes and I changed where I lived. I changed. I didn't obviously go back to where I worked cause that wouldn't have been very healthy. Um, and that was really funny too. I was thinking about it the other day, my last day down there, I had never, um, I was the type of girl that like, I never told you when I was leaving, I just kind of left, you know, like even like when I hung up the phone, like when I was having a conversation with you, I just kind of hung up. I wasn't like, you know, I wasn't good at goodbye ever. So, but, um, when I like went into that, the place I worked at the last time I worked there you know it was a good night I'm not gonna lie it was a good night I made fucking good money and uh, at the end of the night I just, just like was standing next to the owner and uh 
like we were talking about something and I looked at him and I said, Hey, like I am, I got to do something with my life. Cause if not, I'm going to die. And, uh, I need you to, if I come back down here, please don't let me work here. And, um, I had left because, uh, the place that I worked at, people could buy you out. Yes, that is a thing. You could buy out a human from the place that you worked at. Um, so someone had bought me out and they like, I had came back at the end of the night cause I had to go back to get paid. And, uh, I was talking, that's when I was talking to him and, um, he, uh, he looked at me and he was like, you know, I think you're actually going to be one of the ones that are okay. The ones that are going to make it out of here. Mm. And at first I was like, cause there, there is not many, you know, there's not, yeah. if there's, as long as there's some, some, someone to enable us, we will stay out there, you oh, know? Yeah. Um, but he, he actually followed me home that night and I was really creeped out at first, but he said, and he said, Oh, I, I, I shorted you. I forgot to give you like $40 or something stupid. I'm like, oh, okay. And I think honestly, <laughs> I think he just knew that it was going to be the last time he ever saw me, yeah. you know? He just didn't want to like let go, or, or maybe he just I don't know, but um, it was and like, uh, it, I don't know where I was going with that, but anyway, so I made changes. You know, I didn't. I said I was not going to go back down there, and I did not go back down there. I said I wasn't going to go back to that place that I lived at, and I didn't go back to that place that I lived at. Um, I decided to ask my parents if I could move back in with them for a brief period of time, and um, they agreed, but they said, you know, I had to not talk to certain people and I had to show them that I was like willing to do something different. Um, so I made new friends, you know, Mm -hmm. I started, um, I started like a network of people that like believed in me and had been where I had been and could share their experience with me, their strength, their hope. Um, if they hadn't gone through something, they could steer me in the direction of somebody that had, Mm -hmm. you know, I started going to meetings. Um, I started looking at myself in ways that up until that point were completely not an option, Mm -hmm. you know, and I started getting vulnerable and I got outside of my comfort zone and I did a bunch of things that I didn't necessarily want to do, but I knew that my life depended on it. Mm -hmm. Um, and how hard was it like sort of being like a, a badass street chick at the time and having to come into a place and ask for help? Um, I mean, it was humbling. Uh, it, it was intimidating because I was more inclined to ask men for help than women. Yeah. Um, you know, I had no problem asking that guy to, sure. to help me out mm-hmm. with something. Um, and then also like learning that um, I didn't need to give someone something in order for them to help me. Mm-hmm. You know, like that li- like that lifestyle when we use is like tit for tat and yeah. everything's very like, I'll do this, I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine, yeah. you know, and um, I started, when I started going to meetings and started meeting people who like wanted to help me, I had to like learn the concept that like they don't want anything from me in return. Mm-hmm. That's not to say that some of them might not have taken it or like mm-hmm. had hidden motives, but you know, like just letting them help me mm-hmm. like was a, a ordeal in itself. Cause you know, I wanted to act as if I was okay. Mm-hmm. I wanted to act as if I wasn't dying on the inside. I wanted to act as if I didn't have any emotions and that mm-hmm. I didn't like have all of these insecurities and these fears. And I definitely wanted to act as if I wasn't on methadone mm-hmm. because at that point I wasn't sure if I was willing or able, not so much willing, but able to come off of it, mm-hmm. you know, cause I had never heard of someone. The only time I'd heard of people coming off of methadone was when they went to prison mm-hmm. or like if they got kicked off the detox and then they just went right back up to like shooting up or like, like using mm-hmm. something else, you know? So, um, that was like not something that 
I thought was an option. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was, it was hard, but trying to find ways and means to use every day was like just as hard. Mm -hmm. So I just took all of that like energy that I would put into using into, you know, trying to find a new way to live. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I had to do a lot of shit that I did not want to do to continue to use drugs every single day Mm -hmm. um, and to use how like I wanted to use them, you know, which was every second. Mm -hmm. So I just kind of kept reminding myself of that. And I just kept saying like, nothing can be as worse as that. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, you know, I had to do a lot of things that I didn't want to do. A lot of things that I carried a lot of guilt and shame for for years. Um, So like asking people for help. At first, they didn't really ask, but, you know, I looked broken enough to where people knew. (laughs) I mean, it was written all over my face. (laughs) So, you know, I... um, people were gracious enough to come up to me and kind of just start conversations yeah. and all of that. So, yeah. So, um, walking into a meeting with a broken heel will generally do that. Yeah. <laughs> that. And, uh, also some of the attire that I would wear to the meetings. I was, yeah, <laughs> yeah it was definitely apparent. You, you, <laughs> I, you, were, you were Jenny from the block. I needed a lot of help. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was, it was very, um, humbling to say the least, but it was also refreshing because, you know, I, um, I started to like believe that people could help me. Mm-hmm. Right. And like, maybe I could help myself. Cause I always put everything on you. So when I like started like going to meetings and I was like, okay, who in here is going to fix me? <laughs> like, yeah. Who in here is going to like tell me the magical solution to my problems. And, uh, I didn't know that like I had to find them for myself. Um, I mean, obviously people can guide me along the way, but like nobody can, um, it's like recovery is not like this, like magical gift that you receive from somebody else. It's mm-hmm. a lot of like hard work and dedication and, yeah. um, looking at yourself over and over and over again, mm-hmm. um, and doing a lot of things that you wouldn't necessarily do. I mean, I don't even think a lot of average normal, quote, like normal people do a lot of the things that people in recovery do. You know, we look at aspects of ourselves that, most people wouldn't even acknowledge that they have. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, so I know the recovery has just been like amazing. Um, you know, I realized quickly on like really quickly that I was able to recover, um, and that it was possible for me because I saw a lot of people who had like more clean time than I had been alive. Mm-hmm. Um, and their stories were the exact same as mine. I mean, maybe not the exact same, but like that pain and like that desperation. The yeah. The feelings were like the same across the board, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's male, female, black, white, Asian. I mean, it just didn't matter. Like gay, mm-hmm. straight, Catholic, you know, atheist, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. those feelings were just like the same across the table. And I could really identify with those. And, you know, I kept telling myself, well, shit, if they did it, I can do it. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was kind of like six months into me, like going to meetings and, um, you know, not using and not beating myself up every day and not living in constant fear of, uh, I don't even know what, (laughs) Mm -hmm. just like fear of everything and self doubt that uh, I decided that, Hey, maybe I can get off of methadone. Um, maybe I can, you know, be completely drug free Mm because I I hadn't been drug free for a a long time and I didn't think that it was an option. I thought Mm -hmm. I kind of accepted, I would 
to. And I was like 18. I thought, well, fuck, I'm just going to be one of those people that like, I need something. I'm going to have to take something for the rest of my life just to feel normal. Um, so to have even that thought was like completely mind boggling to me and, uh, to believe it was like, I mean, even more crazy, but you know, I, was determined. I mean, I'm an addict, so I'm like, shit, I get an idea. I'm going to run with it and I'm going to see it to the bitter ends, you know, good or bad. I've just learned how to like take the good and, or take the bad, remove it and like apply it only to the good. Mm -hmm. Um, but which not all the time. I mean, I'm not perfect, but I decided that I was going to get off of it. And I went through a long detox period of about six months of, you know, coming down slowly, Uh, I did like a blind detox. Um, I did a lot of research. I'm a Mm -hmm. nerd. So I like, like to know what I'm getting myself into. So I did a lot of research. I know way too much about methadone. um, Google magic. Yeah. Yeah, Right. But I did read some really interesting studies and it said that it takes a week for your body to register any type of change that would happen if you were coming off of it. So Mm. All right. That's why they a lot of times when you do a detox, a rapid detox, you come down like five milligrams a day. Mm-hmm. So I decided, wow, like, you know, rapid isn't the way to go. I'm going to try to come down like five milligrams to two milligrams like a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and I decided that it's like not a race. You know, it's mm-hmm. just it's like a lifestyle. So I, I need I had to like be in it for the long haul. And I mean, it took me six months to completely come down. And you did that all yourself? Yes. Um, well, I mean, I did it. The facility that I was going to or the whatever, like, clinic, I guess mm-hmm. I'll say, because that's what they're called. Yeah. The methadone clinic I went to, they were, only one person was on board with me coming off of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was my counselor. And uh, she believed that I was... I mean, she had seen me really fucked up. So like she had seen me for six months, not coming in there completely wasted, drunk at like six o'clock in the morning to, you know, get my dose of method. <laughs> like, so she was like, wait, maybe this girl is doing something different here. Um, so she was on my side and her and I, we went to the doctor and the doctor, he, even though he kept saying, I don't agree with this. And you're finally, you have your life together. It seems like you're doing a little bit better. You know, I don't know why you'd want to change that. Tried to like, you know, get me off the up again but like I had her in my corner and um we that's when we decided I was gonna do the detox and I came off of it and um I have not used a substance of any kind since that day and that was January 11th 2011 so I mean, it's a miracle. Um, Even like that last day, you know, I said the most profound thing I probably had ever said in my life. And I believed it with all my heart. I went in there. They like, even you get towards the end of it, they they really water it down. And it's almost just like that. You're like telling your head like, okay, this is like, this is going to make me better. Yeah, exactly. It's the total placebo effect. Like there was probably nothing even in it. I mean, probably know they probably put like a drop of something in there just to give it some color. But uh, the nurse comes... And every day they'd ask me, Hey, how are you doing? You know, are you, are you ready? Um, I was like, such an awesome question. Are you ready? And, uh, you know, some days I'd be like, no, I don't think I'm ready. But like January 11th, 2011, I walked in there and they said, Hey, how are you doing? And I said, you know, I'm okay. And they said, are you ready? Do you need your dose? And I said, no, you know what? I think I'm going to be okay. And, uh, they all just kind of looked at me. It was almost this like moment of just like, holy shit, this is, this is it. This is the end. And like, when I said, no, I think I'm going to be okay. You know, like for the first time in a really long time, like I actually believed what I had just said. So I, uh, I left and, uh, you know, I haven't, I left and I went to a meeting and, um, 
you know, I, I don't think I shared about it because a lot of people didn't know about it. And mm-hmm. I, I was scared to tell people I was on it cause I didn't want to be judged cause you know, I still lived in fear at that time, but I told my family and, uh, you know, I, I knew, and that was all that really like needed. You know, I didn't need the whole world to know. I didn't need like everybody to know. I just, I knew in my heart that I was going to be okay. And, uh, that was freedom. You know, that was like freedom from active addiction. that was an experience that I had never, ever felt before. Um, like it was just like the world just like opened up, you know, and like the possibilities were endless. And, uh, you know, I, I haven't, how, um, how long did that pink cloud last? Oh, like a day. <laughs> not, because then after they don't tell you about the weird side effects you're going to have, like you're not going to be able to sleep for like oh, yeah. six months, you know, or like they don't tell you you're going to sweat like a, you know, like crazy. Rockets, yeah. yeah. <laughs> In the middle of winter, they don't tell you that shit, but I just kept saying, you know, this isn't forever. This isn't forever. It'll mm-hmm. go away. And it has, I mean, and, um, some nights I still struggle with sleeping, but I think that's more or less like my personality yeah. than I'm a, I'm a night owl and mm-hmm. I'm okay with it. Um, so, so yeah, but I like kept going to meetings. I, um, I started looking at myself and started, um, answering questions about myself that were like really eye opening. And I started like giving back, you know, I became like a productive member of society and I started going to school and I remember that I liked school and then I was a dork and I started setting goals for myself. Um, and, uh, you know, I haven't found the need uh to use you know I definitely had some like uncomfortable feelings and I've had life show up but like using a drug to deal with whatever life has to throw at me it just doesn't make sense to Mm -hmm. me anymore you know even with like the bullshit of like how marijuana like you can buy it like in a store you know like even that like sometimes if I think about it I'm like motherfucker like I missed the boat on that shit you know but like honestly like no like I have this life beyond my wildest dreams and like I am content with who I am without using like anything to change how I feel yeah and that's something that I never thought I'd ever have, Mm -hmm. you know, working in a shitty strip club, just, you know, doing whatever I could to get one more. And like now, you know, having the freedom to like choose what I'm going to do with my life and, you know, where I'm going to go and who I'm going to associate with. And, Mm -hmm. um, like the, possibilities that I see now. I mean, it's, it's crazy because they were always there. You know, I just didn't think that they were for me, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. I didn't think that they were like an option for me. I felt like I was dealt the shitty hand and like, I should have just folded a long time ago. Woe is me. Yeah. Yeah, Right. The victim. Oh my God. Why is this happening to me? What, like, woe is me just, and today, like I, I will no longer be a victim. Yeah, I'm not going to live in that mindset. I don't have to live like that anymore. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. Anything else? Um, you know, I... Anything you want to say to the viewers or listeners? You know, if you're struggling and if you think that, like, you can't do this, you absolutely can. Mm -hmm. You know, because if I can do it, anybody can do it. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what I used to tell myself um, when I felt like, I, you know, when I felt like life got too much or too heavy or when I felt like I wasn't worth it. You know, you are worth it and you are loved Mm -hmm. and you can, like, have a life beyond your wildest dreams. 
I mean, if I can, you can, um, you know, just give yourself a break. Just, just for today, you know, don't, don't pick up and it won't get in you. Um, it was such a foreign concept for me for a really long time, but like, you know, it's, I don't have to put something in me to feel good about who I am today. And I don't have to have somebody else take care of me. And, uh, you know, if you want freedom from whatever it is you're going through, you know, cause like addiction can be anything. It can be eating, it can be gossiping, it can be, you know, lying, it can oh, yeah. be cutting, right? It could just be anything to like get you outside of yourself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, you can have freedom from whatever you want as long as you're willing to do a little bit of work. Mm-hmm. So I think that's like all I got. I don't know how long I've talked for, but. Uh, almost 40 minutes. Damn. Kind of impressive. I am. Yeah. Um, pretty impressive. Turn it over to Eric. Yeah. He's been scribbling. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. I saw you taking notes. I was wondering. <laughs> Some of these questions might seem, uh, they might seem random, but um, also we have the title of your podcast, uh, This Cool uh, Stripper Chick. Oh, This God. Cool Stripper Chick. Wow. <laughs> it's the title of your wow. podcast. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, that, that'll, that'll actually grab people. You know? yeah, that, that'll, yeah. that'll get viewers. That's, that's the headline people go to. Attraction sex, rather sex than promotion. <laughs> there you go. 100% sex sells. <laughs> So I have a few questions about, obviously, the methadone and okay. maintenance. Um, I was on maintenance for, like, at the longest period in time. I think I was on maintenance for a little over two years. Uh, so one question I always, like, you know, have interest in with asking people, and this is more just kind of a physiological question, is, like, how long did your pause last when you got off the methadone on January 11th? What did like your post-acute withdrawal syndrome. Oh, my God. Um, like, at least six months, I'd say. Like, that was, like, the rough end of it. Um, you know, and I'm talking, like, excessive sweating through sweatshirts, um, not being able to sit still, maybe sleeping for, like, an hour, like, in between, like, 12. You know, just kind of, like, laying there, like, holy shit, I should be sleeping, but, like, I can't for whatever reason. Um, I'm, like, one of the lucky ones because I didn't get a lot of, like, the body stuff. I know a lot of people say that they have like leg cramps and, um, you know, like muscle spasms and I didn't really like necessarily get that, but yeah, it was a solid, I'd say like six to nine months Mm -hmm. after that last dose or like refusing that last dose that I was like through the woods and started to get like maybe six hours of sleep at a time. Um, like even eating, like I only wanted to like eat really bad foods that were like really sugary foods or, you know, kind of like carbs like I I don't know like it was like the only thing I had a taste for like my yeah. taste buds or like just carbs fried. and sugar yeah <laughs> and coffee of course but mm-hmm. um so yeah so I'd say definitely like six to nine months okay mm-hmm. um so continuing with like the maintenance and like since you were in recovery um while on maintenance what is your opinion of people who are on maintenance being active in a recovery setting you are welcome right i mean without yeah a shadow of doubt you are welcome and uh you know what people say is mostly their opinions Mm -hmm. and um i think that a lot of people have a lot of fear or like 
they're not educated around like it's it's not especially being in like a recovery setting it's not really talked about a lot um there's a lot of miscommunication and judgment about it um there's a lot of like people who you know it's funny because when I because I didn't tell anybody that I was like on it so I celebrated like a year of like hey like I've you know I have been fully clean for a year and like look at me and like I hadn't because it was only like a six-month period and um when I finally started to tell some people who had been helping me you know hey like I really only have six months because I was on methadone um a lot of people gave me a lot of shit for it and were like, oh, I can't believe you did that, blah, 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 blah. But a lot of people who had, like, like people that I really looked up to, they were like, we all were on it when we first came around, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Like, but nobody talks about it. Yeah. It's not talked about a, a lot. It's for sure. It definitely is. And um, a couple people that I did open up to gave me some really shitty, uh, like, responses to being on it. So that's why I kind of didn't talk about it. But, like, if, you know, somebody's out there and they're on whatever, it is you know it doesn't matter like you are welcome um you are like you know more than welcome to still participate um and if anybody tells you otherwise you know f them <laughs> seriously yeah. so they're just not your people and yeah. that's okay yeah. <laughs> uh let's see so okay when you got off of maintenance um, and you mentioned addiction manifesting itself in other ways, what were some of those ways that it manifested itself? Um, you know, I think, excuse me, I think it like, it goes back to a lot of those core issues that like I had, like before the drugs that like, mm. I think maybe le- might have led like sex, right? Like acting out mm. and like wanting like sexual attention and like, you know, even like being like kind of promiscuous or like being in like these toxic relationships that like, I just knew were like going nowhere and mm. maybe could become like really detrimental to like my like mental health, maybe even like my like well being. you know, but like fully showing up for them um just because that's all I knew um also like you know drinking excessive amounts of caffeine and like like just red bull maintenance yeah right and just like smoking cigarettes like it's going out of style and um shopping you know anything that really gossiping about people anything that could really just still get me outside of myself you know and like not allow me to look at myself like I just want like to distract myself with anything Mm -hmm. so that way I don't have to look at me and I don't have to like really see what's going on with me and like really like get vulnerable like let me just hide behind these things for a little bit and uh you know some of them I've gotten better with but um like I still like for years like I when I was like all fucked up and I still felt like well I'm better than you like I used to hide behind like the shit that I owned Mm -hmm. right like like, and I say that loosely because I ain't on any of that shit because when I left that dude's house, like, all that shit stayed, you know? But, like, um, I used to think that, like, because I had, like, name brand stuff and because, like, I had a lot of, like, money in my pocket, like, I was good. Mm-hmm. So I still can kind of, like, identify with, like, what I own as, like, who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was one of the ways that, like, acting out without drugs, you know, I not, like, living beyond my means, but, like, thinking that I needed something in in order to be who like a better person um so but yeah but the gossiping though yeah that was it was fun it was for fun. a while yeah yeah until it gets like painful and you're like god why am i doing this like i actually kind of like that person yeah and then, yeah after you're done you just feel dirty about yourself yeah, uh, I'm a dick. yeah yeah 
Or like the weird sexual behavior. Just, you know, oh, yeah. Yeah, the toxic relationship <laughs> looking weird. back. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh my God, I showed up for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I volunteered for that. Yeah, over and over and over. Cause, yeah, because that's like the realization I had on like the other hand of like the whole victim complex is like, wait a minute. No, I wasn't a victim. I was a volunteer. Yeah. I volunteered for all that misery. Yeah. So you also mentioned, um, now this is something like, you know, when I first came into like recovery, whenever, um, you know, I had a lot of difficulty with creating the network and like, re- like kind of relinquishing past friends. Did you find a lot of difficulty at least in like initially creating a network or f- like finding, you know, cause I mean, when I first came to recovery, I made some bad decisions with, you know, who to kind of connect myself with, mm-hmm. um, which kind of like caused problems but I mean did you have any issues with kind of you know that I mean one person definitely sticks out um just because that was like that toxic relationship that I decided to get into but I was like really lucky um I kind of came in at like a point where there was a lot of women that were my age that had maybe like been established in that community for like a year or two and they had done some work on themselves and you know I kind of through guidance because I always was like oh I'm gonna go talk to these guys over here you know fuck these women I don't have, I don't like girls like we don't get along um so you know it was kind of like it was it was it wasn't hard but it wasn't easy I would like stand on the outskirts and just kind of like listen and then laugh with like a joke that was said trying to like you know like be like I, I knew I was the odd man out but just still trying to be like a part of um until finally just one day like one of them just kind of took me under their wing and was like hey like you're with us you know um but like and letting go as far as like letting go of some of those people I had no problem with it because honestly I had no friends towards I had people I got high with and uh, most of them were gone they were either dead or in jail Mm -hmm. a couple of them have moved out of the state just because you know we love a good geographical change um, because it's not me it's this place Uh, Mm -hmm. so it was really you know I think the hardest thing for me was not talking to my the person that enabled me (laughs) the most you know because that was like because I had a lot of guilt and I had a lot of shame and uh, I kind of portrayed an image to this person and Mm -hmm. I felt like I owed it to them to still participate Mm -hmm. until like one day someone was like no 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 like they made that decision and they probably knew you know good and well like that it wasn't going anywhere so um but that was hard because I felt Mm -hmm. I felt a lot of guilt and I felt a lot of shame you know I felt really uh really bad you know, for using someone to that extent. Cause honestly, that's what it was. I just used that person. Like yeah. they were like a, like they were a game or they were like, you know, something that could be used. They were a means to an end. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, so that was kind of hard. Um, but other than that, like I had, I had no one that was left. Everybody was either in jail. Um, there was like a couple people that like I used to, um, like hang out with or like I used to because I always drove so I was always like the girl that would drive the dude to get the shit so I could get my shit um and then like you know I would drive him around so he could like sell his shit and he could give me shit um so you know there was a couple because like even though it's like fucked up and like 
you know, we both want something out of it. Like uh, he's using me for a ride and I'm using him for drugs. Like we spend a lot of time together and like yeah. you spend time with someone, you build a relationship with them. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of hard. And I did miss like, there were some quote unquote good times, right? Like the one time that like nobody had anything and like I had no option but to smoke weed. And I like, you know, it was, it wasn't like horrible. Uh, cause you know, weed sometimes is fun. Um, but like, yeah, I did sometimes, sometimes. um, it was then, but you know, it never stayed fun for very long. Let me clarify. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah. So like letting go of some of those people were hard. Um, letting go of some of my old like customers are kind of hard, especially in like early recovery when I was working for like seven twenty five an hour. And I'm like, son of a bitch, like oh, I can make like $500 in like 15 minutes, you know, but, um, I, I just would share about it. I'd mm -hmm. share about it with somebody. And, uh, I knew that like, I knew that anything that I did or anything that I associated with old people for, like there was like going to be a consequence. Like it wasn't like a, Oh, here, just take this thousand dollars. And I just, I wish you well, mm -hmm. like, no, like that shit had a whole bunch of other shit that came with it that I, I wasn't willing to participate in. So, okay. And I feel like that struggle really like develops a lot of character too. You get to learn a lot about yourself earning seven twenty five. Yeah, like, seven twenty five. It sucks. Humble. Yeah. yeah, that was hard. But like, I was just grateful. I just kept saying, like, yeah. you know, at least I have a job, and at least I don't have to do a bunch of shit that I don't want to do mm -hmm. um, for it. So, okay. And then one last question. Um, now you said you went to private school. Mm -hmm. Would that be Catholic school? I actually went to a Presbyterian school, I believe it was. Um, and then I went to Catholic school for middle school. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So something that is always like beyond me is the higher power thing. Mm -hmm. And what I like with like, so the Presbyterian and then Catholic, those are different, yeah. right? Yes. So in choosing a higher power, in recovery did those two um you know situations help motivate you to choose in one way or another in choosing a higher power you know i have to say i didn't really like neither of them really did so being exposed like my mom's christian right i grew mm -hmm. up in the city so like my mom and my dad weren't going to send me to like a city school like no offense Baltimore City but your schools sh are shit um so thankfully like my parents were like okay so they just kind of sent me Sometimes to you gotta say it like it is I'm, <laughs> I'm moving out of the city right now so yeah, yeah. okay well I mean I, I feel bad because I'm like god nobody pays taxes so the schools suck but like yeah. whatever anyway the schools are a, like a three that's like a different oh they're like a 1.5 yeah. <laughs> places that yeah. I grew up yeah I mean they're like rough <laughs> um so so like you know my parents just kind of sent me to any school that would kind of take us um, or that they could afford, you know, because there was three of us. But I also had like really awesome parents, like my mom's Christian and my grandma would always say she's a recovering Catholic. Um, and you yeah. know, she Famous grew up words. in like a Jewish community. Uh, she grew up in Pimlico back in the day. So like a lot of her friends were Jewish and like, I was just exposed to a lot of different, and like I have a, um, great aunt that's a nun, you know? So like I had like a lot of different, oh. um, 
cool exposure is something that I different <laughs> yeah um, of different um, I have a setter name Whew. Uh, yeah she's a she's a nun and you know what she struggles with eating overeating she goes so anyway so it's nobody's oh. exempt but um I had a lot of like exposure to different kinds of higher powers and different ways of practicing faith I guess um, and my parents were like super cool because like my dad's kind of an atheist he doesn't really like believe in anything my mom's kind of like a holy roller like oh my god Jesus 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 you know like it's just it's about Jesus so like I kind of had two extremes and my both of my parents encouraged me to kind of at a young age to uh find out what I believed in and uh I remember I I went to the library and I I looked got out books because like I said I was a dork right when Mm -hmm. I was a kid Mm -hmm. Uh, I got out books about different religions and I told my mom I was either Jewish or a Buddhist and uh she told me I definitely wasn't Jewish (laughs) because that was another word (laughs) but um you know so I kind of I already knew um that like I, you know, I could pick a God that was whatever I wanted it to be. And I had already had a God that was kind of like whatever I had wanted it to be. And, um, you know, for a long time, I wanted it to be the person that fucked me up. Right. Cause it couldn't have been my doing. Right. Oh. I like blamed God. Oh yeah. Um, you know, like God made me this way and, and that like contentious yeah. spiritual relationship. Yeah. Like God, why mm-hmm. did you do this to me? And like oh, yeah. anything bad that happened, it was God. Um, so like, but when I came to like choose my higher power, for me, it was just, like, something as simple as, like, you know, looking at, like, the world as it is, right? And, like, no matter how many drugs I use, like, the sun always came up, right? Like, no matter how much money I spent on whatever I was doing, like, I could not stop the sun from coming up. And, mm-hmm. like, I couldn't change the seasons from happening. So, like... Mm-hmm that like energy or that like force, like that power far greater than I am was kind of like my God. And I mean, it kind of been my God, I guess you could say for years to be, because I always knew when I was using like, Oh shit, the sun's coming up. Time for me to get my ass inside. <laughs> so, <laughs> I hate, I hate that the, feeling. Yes. I hate that oh my God. The other day I was leaving work like really early in the morning and like I hadn't felt that feeling of like that dirty, that like scuzzy, you know, like I don't oh, even yeah. know how to like describe it, but like the shame and like oh, yeah. I was leaving work and it was early morning and, and like the birds were chirping and the sun was coming out and I was like, wow, this is like actually kind of nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, the first time probably I'd ever had that thought. So. Yeah. <laughs> Um, can I answer that question as well? Yeah. Am I allowed? Is yeah. That, no, You're allowed. You. Of course. Thank you. I was raising my hand, by the way. Uh, <laughs> no. Uh, as far as, like, uh, spirituality and, like, recovery, um, a couple big things, like, really stood out to me. Um, really, like, just remaining open-minded to the possibilities. Like, you, you never know what's going to come down the pike because I, I firmly believe any spirituality, any higher power, any quote unquote God relationship is going to evolve as we evolve and as we experience different things in life. So, um, I've always just tried to remain very open-minded to whatever speaks to me personally. And, um, the other thing that probably this is one of like my favorite like spiritual quotes is just never apologize for your beliefs like no matter what you believe in like believe in it like don't necessarily throw it in other people's faces 
but as long as it matters to you and it's positive and loving and caring and and it benefits your life and it's not hurting anybody else, then don't apologize for it. Like, just live your spirituality your way and that's all you have to do. You don't have to explain it to anybody. It's honestly, it's none of their business. It's, it's your business and your higher power or lack of higher power or whatever you want it to be. Um, let it be that. And don't, don't feel like you have to explain yourself or to anybody because it's bottom line. It's, it's none of, it's none of their business. It's about you and your spirit and whatever you find that works for you. And, um, that's, that's all I got to say about the whole spiritual high, higher power thing. Mm-hmm. Anything else? No. Any, any, I'm, I'm, do you have any questions? Yeah, do you have any questions? Do I have any questions? No, the, the, I, I do have one, like, statement. Like, uh, you talked about, like, how, uh, like, marijuana is becoming legal and, like, people are buying it in stores. And, like, I kind of have, like, a resentment to, like, kids nowadays. I'm like, you don't know. Like, I'm, like... It, Probably like my grand, my fictitious grandchildren that don't exist now are gonna like be like, what do, what do you mean, Grandpa? I'd be like, I had to meet strangers in their cars in seedy neighborhoods. They're like, you mean you didn't just go down to the shop? No, I didn't go down to the shop with my fucking card. That didn't work like that back then. I'm gonna really date myself, and I had to go some get some shitty swag from somebody swag. down the fucking street, some downtown brown, some downtown brown, the Baltimore brown, like it, like. And, and yeah. it, it just went from there. Like I had to find like the different goofy names of whatever strain was on <laughs> the like, Northern Lights was yeah Northern, Northern Lights uh, Nugs Nugs Kind Bud Kind Kind the other day yeah. Kind Bud yeah kind of, like I remember it was like, like the between Nugs and yeah like it, swag yeah like, and like swag yeah it was like swag yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like kids they're, they're spoiled they're spoiled yeah. with all their shit and this is a hybrid between you know an indica 60% and yeah you're, you're talking yeah, you're going you're going to a fucking weedologist nowadays <laughs> these people have like degrees in weed and I'm like what the fuck I got mine from some guy named Black or D yeah. <laughs> like whoever yeah down like, Appleton I, Street yeah my dude was Breezy dude's name was Breezy I don't, I don't know what his name is to this day he's just Breezy I was like, what's up, Breezy? They're like, that was it. That was dumbass conversations trying to have, like, coded messages on my brick Nokia phone. Like, <laughs> hey, man, you good? Do you have the 20-piece chicken nuggets? Like, kids are not going to know the struggle, and it pisses me off. Oriole tickets to represent ounces? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is, yeah. Going yeah. to Ocean City? Yeah, going to Ocean Like, and all, all the... Uh, or, like, buying the bag, like, spending all day to buy it, only for it to be stems and seeds. <laughs> like, you're never yeah. going to have that. And then that, you always have that one guy who had, like, the specialty bags, like, that he got from the... It had, like, I don't know, like, alien faces <laughs> on it or, like, something, like, cash money symbols. And you're like, oh, this guy's swag. No. <laughs> I don't know. That, that, that just bugged me. And uh, the kids nowadays are spoiled. Or, or like the, you know, feeling like you're a criminal, right? Like nowadays, like people oh, are yeah. going to have that. Dude, yeah, Colorado, they're like smoking it on like a park bench. Like, hey, what's up? Like, you want to hit those? Yeah. What up, officer? It's yeah. cool. It's it's the good shit. Like, <laughs> like uh, yeah. So that just, that bothered me. Um, 
But no, I got I got nothing else. I thought you did a great job. I appreciate you uh, coming and sharing with us. Yes, thank you. Absolutely. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks so, for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So we'd like to uh, thank our guest, Allie, one more time for joining us today. I want to say thank oh, you. Thank you. Yeah, very nice. All right. I feel like we needed like an applause. Or yeah, something. we yeah we need Eric. Work, work on a clap. We need a soundboard. We need a clap you know, track. We need, we need a clap track in here. Yeah. And if we could get like coffee. if we could afford the uh, the like the peanut gallery from the Muppets, that would be great. Just the the two old guys. No, ah, those guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be great. I don't think. I don't, no, we I can't don't afford. Feel that. like paying for that. Maybe we can make our own. We could make yeah. our own. All right. All right. Well, thank you, Allie, for joining us today. And uh, here at Podcast Recovery, we're aiming to expand the scope of support for recovering addicts. Accessibility and convenience of helpful services is paramount to combating addiction. We work to bring the message of recovery to every addict wherever and whenever it is needed. We believe that a powerful voice of recovery should be obtainable, practical, and at the touch of a button. Every addict deserves to hear a message of hope, and Podcast Recovery is here to provide it. So, thank you for joining us today. Uh, Follow us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, uh, check out our website, podcastrecovery.com, and we will see you next time. Thanks very much.